0: Let's turn us morning to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number seventeen. Acts chapter number seventeen, and we have been in the book of Acts uh, this year, beginning at the beginning of the year, and uh, we haven't been going necessarily verse by verse, but really theme by theme, just as the Lord uh, impresses a message or a thought upon me. And today, uh, there's two specific messages. You can relax, I won't preach them both this morning, but I'll preach one this morning, one tonight, uh, that I believe the Lord has put on my heart for today in preparation for uh, our missions conference this week. I want the Lord to do a great, great work. Uh, Christ is coming again, and uh, we need to get the gospel all those who do not have it. Now some uh, will not receive it. But there are a lot who will if they just have somebody present them the gospel. And so I want the Lord uh, to do a great work in our hearts this week. Uh, beginning today, uh, I want the Lord to bless this church. I want the Lord to use this church uh, in an unusual way. And uh, so I trust that today you'll give me your heart, give me your mind uh, as we look into the Word of God. we at look back in uh, Acts chapter 7. Uh, Let's read beginning of verse number 2, and then we'll read down through verse number 6. Last week we spent uh, Sunday morning in verses 1 through uh, 4, then I preached from verse number 5. We'll use verses 2 through 5 to get us to verse number 6, which will be our text verse this morning. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them, Out of the scriptures. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered. And risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you. Is Christ? Aren't you glad we serve a risen Savior? Uh, aren't you glad we don't have to bow to a to a, to a god of wood or of stone? Uh, our Savior is alive. He's at the right hand of the Father, and I certainly rejoice in that this morning. Verse four. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Some believed. I just mentioned that. They consorted with, with Paul. They, they, they bound together with them. I'll not preach the message, but it's an amazing thing that some will believe when they hear the message of Christ crucified. But verse number 5, "...but the Jews which believed not..." "...moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also." You know the story we looked at it last week and Scripture tells us again today. Paul and uh, those men, they come uh, now to Thessalonica and they're preaching the same message they've preached everywhere they've been. The Lord Jesus Christ is the perfect Son of God, and went to the cross of Calvary, paid men's sin debt, Has risen again from the dead, and you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And Ben heard it. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And we have seen, as we go through the book of Acts, the great multitudes who have trusted Christ as their Savior. Let me remind all of us this morning, if you're saved, you got saved the same way as everybody else. Through the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, and that is the message, but we find here in verse number 6, a thing that we continue to see as we go chapter to chapter, not everybody liked the message, and usually it was the religious that did not like the message. It was those that were uh, in their traditions. They, 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 they had been taught a certain way. And now I had to just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and they find themselves, uh, through these chapters, they find themselves in prison. They find themselves beaten. And now, verse number 5 tells us, those unbelieving Jews moved with envy. They aligned with those lewd fellows of the baser sort, and now they go to the house of Jason, they say, where are those preachers? Where are they at? And then we see the accusation in verse number 6, the end of this verse, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. This is not the first time they have been accused of turning the world upside down. Bringing, we had harmony in our city, and now there's disharmony. You think about the accusations thrown at our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who has caused division. He is the one who has caused the trouble. We must silence Him. We must crucify Him and those that would preach in His name. We we see in verse number 2, you with me this morning, verse number 3, He's just preaching, opening and alleging from the Scripture that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is risen from the dead. And you must believe on Him. And it has... Everything in turmoil. It has, uh, there's no religious people. They, uh, they, they can't sleep at night because of the message of these preachers. All the business is disrupted because of the message of these preachers, and we have the accusation. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. This morning I want to take that thought, and I want to preach a message this morning on the need of a revolution of righteousness. The need of a revolution of righteousness. Friend, you and I need to be reminded this morning that it is the message of the Lord Jesus Christ that divides men. It is not a personality, it is not a, a systematic way of, of a certain dogma, it is simply the Lord Jesus Christ, and that men must believe on Him, that causes division, that causes people to be upset. And this morning, we find an account of a righteous revolution. The Bible refers to the saved as the righteous. Righteous. The Bible refers to the doing of that which is right as righteousness. And friend, the righteous are supposed to do righteousness. Are you with me this morning? If you're righteous, if you're saved this morning, there ought to be something about you that lets everybody know that you're saved. Christ did not save you to continue down the same path, living like an unsaved individual. You and I, as children of God, are supposed to be doers of righteousness. And if this world has ever needed another revolution of righteousness, it's the day we live in today. It's the hour we live in today. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray this morning that your will would be done. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would lead me and guide me. I pray that He would begin to work in hearts, uh, even at this moment. And Father, if there's someone unsaved here this morning, may they realize their only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And no church can save them. No religion can help them. No man can forgive them of their sins, but only believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work of Calvary. Father, I pray that You'll work in the heart of the Christian this morning. May we realize the need of holding to the truth and promoting and propagating the truth and and how we with the the message of the gospel and the hope for this world. Father, I pray that your will would be done. I pray that if there's one that's away from you, one that needs to come home to their Heavenly Father, may uh, they get the relationship restored today. Father, I pray that you'll do a work in our heart. I pray that you'll bless our church, use our church to be a bastion of that which is true, to be a promoter of that which is good and right. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The world today is in need of being turned upside down again spiritually. When abortion and drunkenness and debauchery are mainstream, false religion is accepted, in the name of Jesus Christ is a curse word, there is a need of a revolution of righteousness. Uh, I'm for uh, political revolutions if if it's for a stand of right. But friend, you and I need to understand that it is the righteousness of God's people that our nation needs. True Christianity is in conflict with the status quo of society. True Christianity never goes with the flow of society. True revival is not just a date on the calendar, it's not merely a campaign slogan, but it is in fact a revolution against unrighteousness. You cannot have a propagation of righteousness that does not combat unrighteousness. A church cannot affect a county, a city, a Country for God without irritating the reprobate, creating conflict with the carnal, butting heads with the backslidden, and upsetting uh, the, the condition of the unsaved. True, spirit filled Bible preaching uh, presents, uh, uh, I'm sorry, persecutes the, the, parish, the parishioner and serves notice to the sinners of self promotion and sin that God demands repentance. Truth. Refuses to hold hands with error. Holiness refuses to partner with humanism. Jehovah God never joins the fellowship of false religion. See, salvation is out of sync with the sinner. Truth terrifies error. Purity plots against wickedness. See, we do not need preaching today to pacify, but to proclaim that man must prepare to meet thy God. We do not need saints to surrender to society, but to set themselves apart wholly acceptable unto God. We do not need men to elevate themselves, to live their best life now, to find their purpose. We need men to fall under the Holy Ghost conviction, realize they are sinners bound for hell, and they must call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, this morning we must remember, salvation is out of sync with the sinner. Truth terrifies error. Purity plots against wickedness. You and I must understand that righteousness always sets the unrighteousness upside down. And when you have the truth of the gospel as Paul proclaimed, going into a pagan city, it is going to cause disruption. It is going to set things upside down. And you and I need to remember that if we're going to be in old time, Bible preaching, Bible believing, independent Baptist church, we will never be mainstream. As a matter of fact, uh, churches need to uh, check themselves with how they're doing because once they become mainstream, they need to understand uh, that, that, that that's not the purpose of truth. That's not the purpose of the Word of God for a church to conform to society. Now this morning, I'm not talking about being rude. If you're rude, you need to get that right with God. If you're just a jerk, uh, you need need to get that right with God. But I'm talking about proclamation of the truth. I'm talking about staying with that which is not false. Often we'll get a call here at the office after some of our soul winners have gone through a neighborhood. Often after our teenagers have gone through a neighborhood and, 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 and knocked on doors and been and, and, and a witness will get a call. Amazingly, almost never is there a complaint about the person. It's never they were rude, they were ugly, they they were inappropriate. It is always a complaint about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always a complaint when there is one. We don't have a whole lot of them. There is always a complaint about the message. And friend, you and I must understand that the Lord Jesus Christ will return one day. He will call His church home. And those who perish without the gospel will face... In eternal damnation. I just think it's love and compassion that would share that gift with somebody else. I'm certainly glad that it was shared with me. I'm certainly glad that somebody cared enough about me to share the truth of the gospel with me. Let me make a quick observation and we'll get into the message this morning. See, the apostles were troublemakers. They were troublemakers not because of their personality, they were troublemakers not because they preached uh, um, um, in, in a harsh, in a demanding way. They were troublemakers because of the gospel they preached. See these pagan cities; they like their false gods. Uh, they liked their ways. They made money off of the people. They kept them in bondage with the fear of what they had to do in relation to their pagan worship. And now, you have men coming in and say, you don't need to partake in all of these things. All you've got to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Who do these men think they are to come in and go against our tradition and, and go against our society and go against all that we have ever done? But let me to remind you, it was the Lord Jesus Christ Himself who said, Go ye into all the world, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other parts of the world, and be ye witnesses of me. And they were obeying the commission from the Lord Jesus Christ and turned things upside down because of the gospel they preached, but also because of the power they possessed. You cannot duplicate, you cannot replicate the power of the Holy Spirit of God. All the day in these churches, these these, these emerging churches, then it's even coming into our, our Baptist churches, and, and you want to manufacture an atmosphere with a type of music and, in, and a type of a setting. Friend, you cannot duplicate the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot work up the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You either have it or you don't have it. It's either evident or it's not evident. You can try and manufacture it, but that is why they were troublemakers, because of not just the gospel they preached, but also the power that they possessed. They were troublemakers because of the holiness that they held to. What I've discovered in my Christian life—I saved very young, grew up in a pastor's home, been in church virtually my entire life—and there's many things that I have discovered about Christians. There's many things I've discovered about this world, and one of those is the unholy does not like the holy. You're around something that is holy. You're around somebody who is holy, and you are unholy. It makes you feel very uncomfortable. So instead of dealing with a conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, just as we see in this passage, we see it take place today, I am going to uh, lash out at that which is holy. I'm going to uh, disparage that which is holy. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit of God to work in my life, to work in my heart, this is why they were troublemakers. And then if there is a principle that is true in the Word of God, it is this, there is no new thing under the sun. If these men were troublemakers in this day, because of the gospel they preach, because of the power they possess, because of the holiness they held to, if you preach the same gospel today, you possess the same power today, you hold to the same holiness today, then you will be troublemakers as well. Friend, the point of this message this morning is for you and I to understand That our responsibility is to hold to the Word of God. Our responsibility as a church is not to survey the community and find out how to make the community like us better. The greatest friend we can be to these neighborhoods and to this city is to go to them and with compassion say you must be born again. And you must call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's got to be one church in town that says, hey, we're not participating in all of the debauchery that goes on in our cities. There's got to be one person in town, the still says you ought to get rid of the alcohol out of your home and you and you ought to stay away from the influence of Hollywood. There ought to still be one place that says, Hey, your young people ought to look like Christians and they ought to be separated from this world. Now, this is exactly what we need in our city, in our country, in our world is for a group of people to say, I'm a born again, blood bought Christian, and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, want this world to know there's a difference in Jesus Christ. will this world will know there's a difference in the Word of God? You and I need to understand that sometimes there needs to be a revolution of righteousness. This morning, I'm going to mention just very quickly four areas where I believe that we need a revolution of righteousness. With these thoughts in mind, I believe that we need a revolution of righteousness in the hearts of men. We and those men who are Unsaved, you can put on an air. You can conform on the outside, but you can have a heart that is less, that is unbelieving without Christ. And instead of this mainstream, evangelical, uh, all this philosophy of, of, of everybody's okay, we need, we need to be reminded there's but one way to heaven, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need a revolution of righteousness in the heart of the believer as well. Far too many backslidden Christians feel just comfortable. They feel good enough. Week in and week out, checking the religious list of I attended church on my Sunday morning time. I, 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 I even put something in the offering plate, but yet they have a heart that is away from God. They have a heart that is full of bitterness. They have a heart that is full of some hidden sin. And if it was if their heart was to be revealed to their fellow man, then we would see that it is a backslidden heart. It is away from God. They've allowed things to enter into their life that should not be there. Friend, God never tells us, the Bible does not tell us uh, that, that everything depends in this world on the unsaved. We're reminded over and over again God depends on his own to be separated. To be a, to act like a Christian is up for you and I. You know what happened in this world? Can I just get down to it this morning? If Christians would just get right with God, I'm talking about those this morning who are sitting at home, but I ought to be in church. But let's talk about who's here this morning. If you're if you got something in your heart you know is not there, you need to get that right with God. You need to get your backslidden heart. You need to confess that sin, whatever it is. Come down to an old fashioned altar and say, God, I have sinned. I've gotten cold in my heart. You need to turn your heart upside down this morning. And God sent me out here this morning to tell you that He expects you as a child of His to be right with Him, to be holy, to be separated, to forgive your fellow man. We need a revolution. We need a righteousness uprising this morning in the heart of a Christian. I say this often. I'll say it again this morning. I believe I pastor the greatest people in the world. There's not a congregation on the face of this planet that I would trade for this congregation. Now you realize my mental state after I I make that statement. I believe these are the finest people in the world. You've proven it week in and week out, year after year. But let's not fool ourselves. A crowd this side, there's somebody sitting in here. You're one step away from leaving the things of God. You're one step away from... Throwing, throwing all the years of investment into the work of God, walking out of God, getting away from God. Friend, you, you need to get your heart where it needs to be. If you need to have a revolution this morning in your heart, you need a revolution of righteousness. Uh, maybe you got a cold heart this morning and the preacher can get up and preach. And it doesn't bother you. It doesn't affect you. It's for everybody else, friend. That's when you know you're in trouble. It's not the person who comes to the altar every week. That's in trouble. It's the one who never needs to come to an altar who's in trouble. The one who never needs to get anything right with God's in trouble. We need a revolution of righteousness in the heart. The second place we need a revolution of righteousness is in the home. For how Satan has gotten into the home, not just the lost, but to those who are the saved. We need homes this morning who are shaped by the philosophy of Scripture and not Hollywood. It's amazing how many homes are in conflict with Scriptural commands just because the homes are not established on the Word of God. Mom and dad should not be influenced by the things of this world, but should seek the Scriptures daily and Vag right for the discernment of the Holy Spirit and the leadership of God. And how to direct and lead their children. But it's time for a revolution for men who who just stand up and say, God has established me as the head of the home and and, and as for me and my house, we would serve the Lord. It would be a wonderful thing if saved men would just declare every once in a while, I think you just need to let everybody know that uh, you're the leader of the house and and you say that uh, we're just going to have a home that serves the Lord and, and everybody is going to church that lives in this house. House. And, and we're not having any of that in this house. And maybe you ought to go home this morning. Can I, can I just can I can I just put it all out there this morning? If I haven't that you yet, I'll, I'll, I'll get there. That's not my purpose. But this morning, uh, somebody might need to go home, and, and you might need to cancel some some, some paid television subscriptions that you have. And, and Dad, you might need to go home and go through the DVD cabinet and clean out some things this morning. Or you might need to take a computer and, and not just put a filter on it, but take it out in the driveway and, 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 and beat it with a baseball bat because of what come into your home. We need a revolution of righteousness. We some moms and daughters that say, no, that's not going to be in my house. And I don't care what your last name is. You're not bringing that into our house. You're not going to influence my children. We need a revolution and an uprising this morning that says it's not my goal to make you feel uncomfortable, but truth makes error feel uncomfortable. Holiness does not get along with unholiness. And I want God to look at my home and say that is a home I approve of. That is more important than the neighborhood community feeling comfortable with you. We're a revolution of righteousness in our homes this morning. Every dad, every husband is going to give an account of God, give an account to God of their home. Every mom is going to give an account. Every wife is going to give an account. Hey, young people, you're going to give an account of your rebellion. You're going to rebel against a mom and dad who loves God, who loves you who does the best they can, but you want to rebel against that for the things of this world, I'm here this morning to tell you, with, with, with love, I love you enough to tell you that God is not going to let you get away with it. God is going to hold you accountable. And like we serve a merciful God. We serve a God of grace and mercy. He is also a righteous God. And we need an uprising of righteousness in our homes and just decide that Christians are going to have Christian homes. We need a revolution of righteousness in our churches today. It's a sad state when holiness feels uncomfortable in the average church, when carnality has become keen, when unrighteousness is that which is mainstream and the one who holds to the absolute truth of the word of God is the troublemaker. Frank, can I remind you this morning? Everybody, okay this morning? Can I remind you that we have a holy God? God is not concerned with being cool. God is not concerned with being hip. God is not concerned with being mainstream. He, he, is, he is God. He is Jehovah, and He declares to us, "I am holy." But He also says, "Be ye holy." for I am holy. If you study the Word of God, you study i from cover to cover, you'll find that God expects for His spiritual leader of His people to live a holy life. That is a requirement that this Bible places on your pastor. You do not place that on me, but you have a right to expect it of me. To spend time with God, to live a holy life, to live a separated life. Before, let me remind you that, that as a pastor, uh, he wants me to pastor a holy people. And holiness is just not a command for the man of God, holiness is a command for every child of God. It's something that you ought to be pursuing. This morning, we don't pursue a list of things for our salvation, but it's because of our salvation we ought to be pursuing a holy God. It's because that we are with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I never have to give an account of my sins again. I have a God who would do that for me. It is my reasonable service to be separated. It's my reasonable service to be holy. And you and I ought to be striving to be holy. Church ought to be a holy place. It's not a place to make you and I comfortable with our carnality comfortable with our sin. There's a movement today I've been teaching on Wednesday nights on this emerging contemporary movement that's coming into our churches and how the philosophy is just come and you'll be comfortable. Come and you'll fit right in and free has never been God's, God's goal for somebody to get up and preach the Word of God and for everybody to be uh, be comfortable. As a matter of fact, I love you this morning. I know what's best for you, but I know God sent me out here to make us feel uncomfortable this morning, to make us squirm a little bit in our seats and to remind us that we have a responsibility to hold to that which is right and hold to that which is true. And even the best of Christians, can their, heart, their hearts can get cold. And even the best of people can get into sin. And you and I need to be reminded that our churches sometimes need a revolution of righteousness. uh, I'm I'm I'm, I'm for programs this morning, but I think prayer ought to take a priority over programs. Our churches need to get to be praying churches again. Not only in our hearts do we need a revolution of righteousness in our homes and our churches, but our society needs a revolution of righteousness this morning. We are called to be the salt of the earth. We can affect the world we live in. Our, our country, there's a lot of great things going on in our country right now, but let's not be mistaken. God will hold us us accountable for the 60 million babies who have been aborted. God will hold us accountable and judge us as a nation for the the sodomy and for the unrighteousness and the the Hollywood fornication and lifestyle that has not just come to mainstream society, but even has come into our so-called churches. God will hold us accountable and today, you can, you can in spite of the great things that are going on in our country right now in so many places we are still in a nation that has forgotten God and I just say this morning that we need to have a, a spiritual revolution if you will there ought to be some Christians that are at that, that, your work, you don't do it on purpose, but because you spend church on Sunday, you're going to make somebody feel uncomfortable, because you spend time with God, people can see and sense that oh, we can't tell that joke with so-and-so here and so-and-so won't go out with us on Friday night and therefore the team spirit just isn't what it should be at There ought to be a group of people that says, I'm holding to the truth of the Word of God. I'm not going to compromise my Savior in what the Bible teaches me and if it turns the city upside down, if it turns my neighborhood upside down, if it turns my office upside down, then so So be it, I'm going to hold to that which is right. We've seen a pattern of progression this morning in these four areas. Our society will never have a spiritual revolution until our churches have a spiritual revolution. Our churches will never have a spiritual revolution. Until our homes have a spiritual revolution. Our homes will never have a spiritual revolution until the individual heart allows the Holy Spirit of God to reach in and just shake it. This morning, my... The invitation is simple. It's a different Sunday morning message, not the usual Sunday morning message. We can say our nation needs to get back to God, and we need to get revival in our nation. But let's let, let's deal with what keeps our revival from having our nation from having revival. It's because of our churches and our homes and Christians. Can you imagine what would take place for the cause of Christ if Christians just in this area would get their hearts right? If one brother would forgive another brother, if that secret sin that somebody is holding on to, they would come and confess it to God this morning. If that which is resigned serving God would get back in the fight of serving God this morning, we could have revival in the home. Can you imagine what would happen in your home, Dad, if you got on fire for God this morning? Can you imagine what would take place in your home if you said, you know, what? I'm going to get where I need to be. I'm going to get in the Word of God. I'm going to practice what what, the, what I should be preaching this morning. Can you imagine, Mom, what would take place in your home if you prayed for your husband every single day? If you prayed for your children every single day? Can you imagine what would happen if Christians would turn off HBO would open the Word of God and read the Scripture as a family and read the scripture as individuals. Could you imagine if Christians started being Christian again and they, and they, and they listened to the word of God? Can you imagine what would happen in your home? Can you imagine what would happen in our society? If every child of God said, I want, or those apostles want what they had, I'm going to hold to the gospel they preached. I want the power that they possessed. And I want to hold to the holiness that they had. This morning, would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to search you? We're in days today when I believe that the return of Christ is imminent. I believe the time is short. And I believe God has given us a window I believe God has given us a window as a church to do some miraculous things, and I'm anticipating this week with our missions conference for God to touch hearts and work in the lives of people, and, and, and I just believe God is, has us on the cusp with all that we're trying to do, with our relocation and everything else, to really make a mark for Him. But let me tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take not just your pastor to spend extra time with God and have say, Holy Spirit of God, search me of any that will be a hindrance of the great things you want to do. It's going to take every individual member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church to say, God, would you search in me? Is there something in my heart? Is there something in my life? Is there an area I need to give to you? Is there an area I need to surrender to you? It would be a wonderful thing for mom and dad to grab their kids and, and kneel at an old-fashioned altar and kneel on the living room couch and say, we as a family, we're going to do all that we can for the cause of Christ. We're going to do all All that we can for our church and we want to make a difference in our neighborhood and we want to make a difference in our society. That's what it's going to take. But I must caution you. It will cause ripples. But you must hold to the truth. Think about the music that was sung already this morning. What a day that will be when my Jesus... I shall see. I've told you often my motivation is not to have 10,000 followers on social media. Some preachers, you can tell that's their motivation. My motivation is the one day when I stand before my Savior for Him to say, Well done. And if the world has to hate me for me to hear Him say, well done. Well, I love you. I pray for you. I spent yesterday afternoon I'm praying for so many of you. But if I've got to offend you by telling you to keep the sin away from your kids, then I'll do it. That's what's expected of me. But this morning, why don't we just get a hold of this. And God, would You do a work in my heart? Would You do a work in my family? Would You do a work in our church? We know in recent weeks, as we as a church, we've prayed much individually and prayed collectively for a brother who's been battling for his life with cancer. And you remember how we all banded together and prayed together and we saw God move? You think if we all did that, and ask God to do something in our church, He'd answer that prayer as well. You think if we all just decided and we were unified as a family and then unified as a church, that God, do something with us. Do something among us. Allow us to make a difference. I think God would answer that prayer as well. This morning, let's allow God to work in our hearts. Father, I pray... As we conclude this service, Father, may You do what You would have done this morning. I know this is the message You wanted me to preach. I've known for some time that You were going to have me preach this message in this hour on this day. And as I prayed last night, I asked You again, Lord, is this the message You want me to preach? Holy Spirit of God confirmed it. As I prayed this morning, is this the message you'd have me preach today? And once again, the Holy Spirit of God confirmed it. Father, which I know in my heart, this was a message for us to hear so that we can act upon it. Father, I pray if there's someone here unsaved, saved, I pray that they'll realize their need of Jesus, they'll believe on Him today. I pray in the heart of a Christian the Holy Spirit of God will do a work. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. If you're here and if you were honest this morning, you'd have to say, Pastor, when you referred to salvation and when you referred to knowing that you're saved, I, I would have to say if I'm honest this morning that I'm not for certain I'm saved. If I had to meet God right now, If my life ended and eternity began, I don't know that I'd be prepared. I'd have doubts about my salvation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. No one is looking around. If you'd like for me to pray for you this morning, you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not for certain that I'm saved. But I'd like for you to pray for me this morning. Would you just slip your hand this morning so I can see it? Would you just raise it so I can see it this morning? I'm not for certain I'm on my way to heaven. But I wonder, child of God, is there some business you need to take care of this morning? Is there something you've allowed to creep into your heart and your life that the Holy Spirit of God convicted you of? Maybe this morning the need of the hour is just for Christians to kneel and say, God, would you give us the strength? Would you give us the courage? Would you give us the ability? Would you give us your power? to affect the things that only your righteousness could affect. And may we be motivated this morning and may we seek the help and the power of God. Christian, I don't have to plead with you this morning. I don't have to beg you this morning. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, I don't have to convince you of it. As we stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, the piano begins to play if God has spoken to you.